Gracious Father, we pray here right now that we actually live the words that we just sang about, that you would make us a servant. This is not something that is talked about in the world today. Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to be out in front. But we know that um, you have called us to be a servant just as you came to serve us as an example Help us to live in that way so that we can be a blessing to others just as you have been a, a blessing to us. Help us to look to you for leadership and, and guidance and what you would have us to do, how you would have us to be. Father God, as we open up your sacred text here this morning, we look for you to speak to us through your words. As I am here to to walk others through, that you would give me the words to say and how to say them. They hide me behind the cross and people would see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, good morning again. We're here today and we're starting a new sermon series. We've been walking through the book of Acts for a, a little while and we, we put a, a, a button on that a couple weeks ago as we um, celebrated the risen Savior and now uh, we're going to start here today in the book of Nehemiah. We'll be here in a, in a few weeks and we'll take a break and get back to it. Um, so uh, you can turn with me your copy of God's Word to the book of Nehemiah. And if you're new with us and you haven't been with us, or uh, as a pastor, as a preacher, I think that one of the most effective ways to communicate God's word is to open up the Bible and to go through book by book, verse by verse, because that does a couple of things. One, it, it, it helps me out tremendously. As a bivocational pastor, I know what my next sermon is going to be. I don't have to you know, spend an extra amount of time thinking about it and try to get things to fit where they might, may or may not fit. But it, for the second reason, it also helps me so I don't cherry pick. I, don't, I can't go through and cherry pick verses that I feel comfortable with or I, that I like or enjoy and that I feel strongly about. And it, it forces me to deal with texts that sometimes you might not always hear about in the church because that they might be difficult. It, it might be countercultural. Most of the Bible that we read about is countercultural, but it forces me to deal with the entire counsel of God. And the third thing that it does for you is that it helps you to be able to understand and know how to read through the Bible. Because I don't know if you're anything like me, when I started reading the Bible, just I mean, you got the hard names and different places, and I'm like, I'm just going to skip this part. It's not important. But, but, but if I'm coming here and helping you to understand verse by verse, book by book, then that gives you confidence when you're at home and you're reading on your own. I remember when Pastor Bob was talking about this on that one Sunday, and I understand the context. I, even though this name is hard to pronounce, I still can't pronounce it, I kind of understand wh wh who we, that person is in the context. So that's why we go book by book, verse by verse, here at First Baptist Bowingbrook. And so when people come and, and we've got a lot of people with different walks of life, different experiences, uh, different levels of spiritual maturity. But when a person comes here and they, they come to faith in Christ, they start reading their Bible, they begin praying. Um, it's, it's a great thing. 
it is a fantastic thing when people come to faith in Christ and they really start to learn what that means for them in their life. They learn how to worship. They, they learn how to attend church regularly. They get involved in, in Sunday school and, and growth groups. And they learn what it means to be a steward not only of their time, but also their resources. And I want to praise God if they, they, they also seek to spread the gospel. If they get on fire for the Lord, that they want to go and tell other people, not only here in Bolingbrook, but they want to get their, their, their uh, the passport stamped and they want to go overseas and tell people about Jesus. That's amazing. And that's what we're here for. And I love to see that. But why? Why do, we, why do we do all this? Why do we go through all these different things? Why is the stuff that I just mentioned, why is that important? Why do we do this stuff? What is the point? Well, I'm glad you asked. Paul tells Titus in Titus 2 and 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own passion who are zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. In his letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians 2 and 8, he says, For grace, by grace have you been saved by faith. And it's not of your own doing. This grace that he's talking about is a gift from God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Because if you're anything like me, you might say, Well, look at all the stuff that I did. Look how great I am. But that's not the point. That the grace you have is a result of, of the gift that God has given to you. And he knew that, that some of us would want to boast about it. He's like, just so that I can circumvent that, I want to remind you who gave you this gift. Why? Because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's why we do what we do as Christians, as, as Christ's followers. When God calls us and we follow Christ, he has a purpose for us. You don't have to spend a year or anything or going out traveling the world to go find yourself, to go find your purpose. Your purpose is, is written here within the, the, the word of God, within the scripture. You don't need to spend time going out and trying to figure it out and wondering what you're here on this world to do. I have a question. How many of you would like to be used by God? By a show of hands. How many of you would like to be used by God? Not everybody, so that, that's telling. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. Wasn't a trick question. How many of you want to make a difference for the kingdom of God? So you want to be used for God? You want to make a difference for his kingdom? Okay. That's interesting. So not many of you would say that, you know what, I just want to be a bump on the log and Apathetic just toward everything that comes. Or you probably wouldn't say, you know what? I, it would be great if I can follow Jesus but not change at all. Can I just keep my lifestyle the way it is and do what I want to do and, and be good with God? That's what I want. I'm not going to ask you if you would say that. 
Or maybe there's some that might say, I, you know, I don't really want to make a difference in myself or anybody else. I, I just want to do me. Or maybe then you might say, uh, I'll be okay reading a verse or two. I don't want to, I mean, this is a big Bible. You 66 books and you see how thick this is. I'm not a good reader. I don't like to read. And you just talked about all the things that I can't pronounce. You know what? I would rather just read a verse here and there. Maybe I open the book and close my eyes and point and I read that verse. Or even better, you know, I like when the pastor just posts a verse on, on Instagram or TikTok and that could be my fellowship for the day. Hmm. Or maybe you might say, I don't want to go to church all that much. You know, I'll, I'll go. The average attendance for church these days is once a quarter. That's the average. Or maybe you say, well, you know, I don't really mind praying. Uh, it just, just only at meals, though. Unless I'm hangry. Would, wouldn't it be something to hear somebody say that? There, I don't think there were many people that would actually say these things out loud. But if you look at our actions, we are in fact saying many of these things I just mentioned. There's a saying that says, actions speak louder than words. Listen, if you come to Jesus, he starts to do something in your life. Ezekiel says that we get a heart transplant. He says he takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. That's what happens when we come to Christ. When we come to him, we understand that we've been called to something that is bigger. When we come to Christ, we, we understand that now we, like I mentioned, we have a purpose. We have a goal. And there's more to life than the here and the now. The world would say you have to live for today and, and live your best life right now. But God says there's, there's more than just what we have in front of us right now. This is funny that we spend our lives emphasizing the, the need for a good education so that we can get a good job. And if we work hard, then we can have nice things. And as we work, uh, we start to look forward and start to plan for retirement. And, and retirement is fantastic because then we don't have to work at all. We've done all these things and now I can do the stuff that I want to do. Now I can go hang out with friends and, and play golf and, and travel the world. Now is me time because I've put in the work already. While these things aren't necessarily bad, um, they're extremely short-sighted. We don't, we don't look, look at things as we, as we ought to. And as we get older, we realize that uh, when we're starting to knock on death's door, we realize that our life is about to come to the end. And um, we have mortality that's looking at us face to face. And we realize none of that stuff mattered. I spent 60 hours a week working at this job where I hated my boss. And then I went home and, and maybe I played video games or, I, or whatever else and didn't spend time with my family. Now my kids are grown up and gone and they, won't, they don't want to talk to me anymore. And now I worked so hard to get into retirement, I realized I didn't save enough, so take all these extravagant trips. And now I got to continue to work at another dead-end job where, that I hate getting up for and I don't like the people that I work with. And run myself into the ground breathing my last breath and like, ah, none of that was worth it. I got nice stuff. I got a nice house, a nice car. Maybe I was just getting by, paycheck to paycheck, but none of it mattered. 
I probably should have started with this, but if you came today looking for a motivational speech and feeling good about yourself, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> probably people would have walked out if I started with that, but there are preachers and teachers that, that specialize in tickling your ears and will help you to go down the wide road, which by the way, the Bible says leads to destruction. My goal, my job, as Matthew 7 and 14 says, the narrow road leads to life is difficult and few will find it. So I'm not here to tell you that you're doing great. I'm not here to tell you you're enough. You just pull yourself up by the bootstrap. You're good enough. You're great. No, I'm here to tell you that you're broken and you need a savior. That's my goal. That's my job. That's the reason that, that I'm standing before you today is to tell you that, that all the stuff that we hear in the world is lies from the pit of hell. You are broken and you need a savior. What you do now matters. To take it even further, life isn't all there is. This life that we spend here on this earth is not all that there is. When you breathe your last breath in this life, you have eternity to look forward to. That's what we miss. We spend for the, everything for right now, right at this time. I want to do everything to, to satisfy my urges and my flesh. Only for it to be gone. And you have to spend forever and eternity. That's the reality. There's a real place that's called hell. And there is a real place that is called heaven. And people will spend the rest of eternity in one or the other and what we do today how we think how we operate the things we do the things we say all matter in the span of that choice every day we decide whether consciously or not who we will follow now all of you said that you want to be used by God to make a difference for the kingdom right well not all of you most of you you, you want to be used by God and you want to make a difference for the kingdom so who does God use? That, that would be the question. If we were to look at ourselves, I'm sure that we'll come up with many reasons for why God wouldn't want to use a person like me or like, like you, not me, I mean you or me. You would say me if you were saying this, but he's clearly not looking for the best looking person to use necessarily. He's not uh, necessarily looking for the most successful or the most intelligent or the smartest people. So you're saying there's a chance. I don't know about you, but as I read through the scriptures, as I read the Bible and look at the people that God has chosen, it gives me hope. Because he's used some ragtag a group of people that, that didn't amount to anything until God got a hold of them. So there's hope for me. That he, if he can do it for, for Saul, who we know is Paul, hey man, he, he can certainly do it for me. Look at Peter. One of the apostles, he was always putting his foot in his mouth. Didn't know what, what to say, where to go. He used him to. He used a donkey to speak to. So there's hope for any and all of us. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. This is one of those books that a lot of people skip through. It's, it's a difficult read. But here, nestled in the, in the, the, the book of Second Chronicles 16 and 9, says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart 
is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, for uh, from now on you will have wars. But I want to bring your attention to uh, the, the, the people that the Lord gives strong support to. The ESV says he gives strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. The, the NASB says it this way, whose heart is completely his. The CSB says those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. These are the people that God uses. The people who are completely devoted, the, the, the people whose heart is wholly uh, belong to him. That's who God uses. Not the people who want to say, well, I'm going to serve part time sometimes when I feel like it, when it feels good, when, I, when people can see me do the things, then, then I will serve him in those areas. So I can get those accolades and people think they, I'm a special person because I know the people who give their all, their entire being to God is, is who he uses. Everybody here today that raised their hands, you need to know that God will use you if you are completely devoted to him. Completely. I don't know if we need a to, to have the dictionary, you know, to, <laughs> definition of what complete looks like. What wholeheartedly, I think you might get what that means. When you're completely devoted to God, you won't be okay with business as usual. It, it's funny, like I said, we when we get this heart transplant, and we think and look at things very differently. We're not okay with the way we are, and we're not okay with the way the world is. You won't be content with any of those things. You'll start to be convicted not only by uh, what you'll be doing for the kingdom, but you'll also be convicted by the ills of the world. And you'll want to see God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. This is what happens when Christ gets a hold of you. It's this, this kind of conviction. It's this kind of discontent that we'll read about here in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah wasn't okay with what was going on. He was not okay with what was happening with God's people. And he said, something has to be done. And he didn't look to somebody else like, man, this is all messed up. Somebody's got to do something. I wonder who's going to do something. That's something like we would do. Like uh, somebody's got to take care of this mess. I don't know who's going to do it, but it's a mess. I can't wait for somebody else to step up and, and take the mantle and do what needs to be done in the situation. No, Nehemiah says, something needs to be done, and I'm here. God has put me in a place to do something for him, to do something for his people. What an example that is for us. His heart was completely devoted to God, and he just wasn't okay with what he saw going on with God's people. Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah is considered to be the second half of the book of Ezra. Ezra uh, was a priest, he was a scribe, and after 70 years of captivity, Israel had been released from Babylon, allowed to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And the focus of Ezra was on rebuilding of the temple and a reinstitution of the sacrificial system. But when, when Ezra uh, uh, got there and he, he looked at what was going on, he started talking to the people, he finds that the people have fallen away. 
They, they forgot who did what for them. They forgot who God is. Or in the New Testament, it says they, they, they forgot who their first love was. This book is about God calling his people back to proper worship and back to proper living. And this should sound familiar to us. Because I think we experience some of these things in our lives today that that we are uh, we have so many different distractions that's happening in our life there's one thing after another that's distracting us from what really matters what the goal should actually be these distractions that are vying for our attention and we you and I need to be called back to right living Nehemiah is a cupbearer. It was his job. He was a cupbearer for the king. And what this means is his job was basically tasting all the food and the drink um, before they got to the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. How would you like to have that job? You think your job is bad. How would you like to be a cupbearer? Literally, each swallow, each bite could have been his last. As they're protecting the king, even though he got to be the right hand man for the king, you know, uh, he, he was. It could be any time, any moment. So he knew he was facing mortality every moment of every day. This book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding a community. It's about rebuilding a, a nation, and when this happens, what we'll see is that it transforms the entire community. When they are aligned with God and his mission and his purpose, it not only transforms them individually, it not only transforms them uh, as, a, as a community, but it transforms an entire nation. And even though this community has been broken down and neglected for hundreds of years, God does an incredible work through Nehemiah and his leadership. This is important for us as in a couple weeks we'll be celebrating our 55th anniversary as a church. And I am honored to, to be standing here as, as in the lineage of pastors that have come and planted this church and has served this community. But as, as a pastor here for four years, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm not content. I have discontent over kind of where we are as a church, I'm discontent with our lack of impact for the kingdom of God. I'm not content with the uh, with the lack of impact that we've had with the community around us. I wonder if we were to close our doors, if the community would notice. But that, brothers and sisters, is an indictment on 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 us as as Christ's followers. I'm not content with the lack of people that we've helped come to faith. I'm not content with uh, the lack of people that we have uh, been discipling. I'm not content when it comes to the, the role and the obligation that Christ has given us, the opportunity that God has given us as his church here today. God has a mission for his church and we need to get aligned with it. 
We're not here just to do our own things. We're not here just to have uh, programs for program's sake. Or we used to do this back in the day and it worked and we, I love this program versus that program. No, we are here to do what God has called us to do. It's his mission that we have to get aligned with, not the other way around. Here in the opening chapter of Nehemiah, we get an example of what this looks like. Look with me in Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1 and 3 says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Heselah. Now it happened in the month of Shislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. He said to me, The remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So again, Nehemiah the cupbearer is living with the king. Um, I mean, aside from having near-death experiences multiple times a day, I mean, I imagine his life outside of that was pretty nice. Living in the king's palace. And here he is. Um, his, he, he questions, his brother comes in, his, his brother comes in like, hey, is it's bad news. You know, the people that have been in exile, uh, they're, they're having some issues. There's trouble and there's shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. Imagine if you're talking to a family member and they come to you and you just ask, well, you know, about your cousin, about your aunt, or about, you know, whomever in your family, your best friend that there might be. How are they doing? I haven't talked to them in a while. Uh, what's going on? How are they doing? And they give you some distressful news. Imagine how you would feel in that moment. Um, being a little out of touch and not knowing what's happening in their lives and you are hit with this news. Uh, me, I would, man, just be distraught. And, oh, I can't believe this happened. I would feel like I want to do something, whatever I could do. Then verse 4 we see how Nehemiah handles this news. Verse 4, it says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and continued fasting and praying before God of heaven. Man, as a man of God, Nehemiah's first response to this news is to go to God in prayer. Unlike many of us. Uh, many of us, uh, prayer is the last resort and we would try everything that we knew and like, well, um, think about all these different things that, that we could possibly do or people we can call or, or, or whatever the case may be. But oftentimes, prayer is not the first. It may not be the last, but it's, it's certainly not in the, the top 10. Nehemiah shows us what's important. As a man of God, he shows us how a man of God would work, how a woman of God would work and operate. The first and foremost thing with anything that comes up in our lives, the first thing we do is fall to our knees to someone who can do something about it. Not pick up the phone and call our best friend. Girl, did you know? Well, what are we supposed to do when they go to the God of the universe, the one who spoke in the universe, leapt into existence? If he can do that, he can handle anything that comes your way. We just need to go to him. 
And he didn't go to him because he was all out of options. He didn't go to, to the God uh, because uh, he felt defeated. And it was because he knew that prayer changes things. That's how important prayer is. It literally changes things. You messing around trying to do it on your own, you just end up stuck and frustrated. But you take it to God. Amen. It changes things. It changes you. It changes your situation. How could it be the last resort? Even if you can't do anything about it, James says you can have joy in the midst of sorrow. That's what Nehemiah is showing us. Everything we do must start with prayer. Everything. If you ain't praying before you got out of bed in the morning, I, man, I got to tell you, we need to start with prayer. Your, your eyes didn't open by themselves. It, you, when we breathe in and out, you don't be thinking about that, right? You're like, I breathe in, breathe out. No, God has got that. You don't have to worry about it. So we should open our eyes in the morning, praising God that we are able to open our eyes with, with breath in our lungs, with the full function of our limbs, even if they don't work all like they used to. You know, we still got them. We got a roof over our head. We got clothes on our back, food in our stomach. We might not have as much as somebody else, but you got it. He provides for you more than just your daily bread. Everything we do must start with prayer. But if you're not convinced, why? Why do we need to focus on prayer so much? Because prayer is the way for us to serve God and obey him. And if that's not enough, Christ, he set an example for us. And he spent a great amount of time praying. He would go off and pray by himself. He would pray with others. He, he spent a, a, a ton of time praying. And I'll tell you what, if it's, it's good for him, it's good for us. He set the example, Christ did, for the example for us, how we should be living our lives. Just like Nehemiah here starting everything with prayer. It should be important to, to us because it was important to him. Not to mention that God commands us to pray. Philippians 4 and 6 tells us, do not be anxious about anything. I can stop there. I mean, most of y'all running around here just anxious and worried and don't know what to do. And you like your head is cut off and I got this problem and that problem and she said and he said, and I don't know what to do. Be anxious about nothing. <laughs> This is good to me. I don't know about y'all. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And let's get specific. And I'm just, Lord, forgive me for my sin, and you know, help me have a good day. And I mean, that's a great start. But be specific. Like, what what is the sin that you're dealing with right now that's got a stronghold on your life that you need God's help with? Lord, forgive me for my lust. Forgive me for my cheating. Forgive me for, for whatever it is in your life. The, the way I'm destructive and I speak to other people. Be specific. Because the Lord will deal with it. I'm just being generic. Like, well, nothing's changing in my life. Nothing's going on. You lift all those things up to the Lord. And verse 7 in Philippians 4 says, And peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This is why. 
The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you are naming your sin and you're taking it to God, and Lord, deal with these things in my life. Help me to turn away from it. Turn away from my addictions to whatever it is. Turn away from my anger. Help me with these things. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, it's not going to make sense to us. It's not going to make sense, even though it still might be present in your life and you might be dealing with it as, as God is working on you and then leading you down the right path. You know, you just have this peace that surpasses understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's why we should be praying. Prayer helps us to make decisions in our lives. Prayer helps us to overcome demonic barriers. Prayer helps us to gain strength to overcome temptation. Prayer also helps us to strengthen others in spirituality. No, we're not just praying for our own benefit, but praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ, praying for those who don't yet know Christ. Prayer changes things. It matters. And a lack of prayer, a lack of prayer demonstrates a lack of trust. A lack of prayer demonstrates a lack of faith in God and his word. So, I mean, I know we get busy. We got a lot of things going on. I still have time. I forget. I don't know what's going on. But when you do have time and you pull up TikTok, you got a crossword puzzle, you're looking at Facebook, whatever it is, is your vice. You turn on TV. You got time. And when we don't bring things to the Lord, it just demonstrates our lack of faith and our lack of trust in him. When you go and do all the things that you know to do first, it demonstrates your lack of trust and your lack of faith in the God of the universe. So I want to end today with this prayer for this ordinary guy. Yes, he was a cupbearer. He's living in, in, with the king, and but he was just a normal, normal guy, normal person, just like you and me, a man that followed God. I want to end with this prayer to his Heavenly Father. And I want you, as we read this, I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. I want you to really hear the devotion that pours out from his words. I want you to hear this as an example for, for yourself. And, and when you go today and, and thereafter each day, that you would go and have some piece of the kind of devotion that Nehemiah has here, that, that you will be saturated with it and that you will be looking forward. Look, uh, uh, bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to be in, in uh, uh, verses 7 through 11. You can read this later on your own. Here, here is Nehemiah's prayer. We have acted corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you command your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. 
They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servants today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Father God, as we come before you today, we, we review and read through Nehemiah's prayer. We just ask for your conviction in our own lives. Father, help us to see where we have strayed away. Help us to see where, where we have wronged you and help us to be wholly devoted to you. Help us to see where we have gone down the wide path and bring us back to the narrow so that we might be able to serve you. Identify the areas in our lives that, that we need to get out of our lives so that we can not be distracted by you know, any of those things and, and again be completely devoted to you. And help us to start any and everything that we have with prayer. Help us to have a strong faith. Help us to have a strong trust in who you are and bring everything to you as specific as we can be and look to you for our hearts to be changed. Not for our own selves. Yes, so that we can spend forever and eternity with you, but also so that we might go tell others that we might take this truth and help them know they also can have joy in the midst of sadness. They can have hope when they live in this hopeless world. They help others to know that they're an answer to what they seek. And you gave your son for all who would believe that whoever would follow would have life that is everlasting. Help us to live like we believe that like it is everything in our being. Help us to live a life for you. Help us to be on mission and aligned with you. So Father, as we break here today, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that has not submitted their lives to you, that you would not let them leave here today without uh, uh, asking the question, what must I do to be saved? that we will be attentive to them and be able to walk with them on their journey to what that looks like for them in their own lives. But not stop there. Help us to, to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Use this, your church, to help build the kingdom so that you might be magnified. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.